up everybody my name is james d fury and this is blackball one thing that a lot of western nations can't even fathom is a war happening in their home country and yet they still like to play sort of a monday morning quarterback with what the military strategy should be and everything but it's never the same unless it's happening on your own soil um, this is as wordy as my intro is going to get today because I want to spend as much as I are, as much time as I can with our guest and her name. She's a, a parliamentarian from Ukraine and her name is Kira Rudik. Kira, how are you? Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed watching you nod your head to the hip hop that I play at the beginning. That's a good sign <laughs> that this interview will go well. <laughs> um, about that, the the difference. Be- I think I want to frame it like this: You're a public servant and you're a civilian. Can you tell me if the experience that you personally are having is uh, mostly focused on the public servant side of you, or is it impossible to detach the civilian side as well? And how do you manage that kind of conflict within yourself? Well, it's, it's honestly impossible to detach the civilian side. And I do not think that there is a purely civilian side for every Ukrainian. Uh, you know, since the very beginning of the war, uh, we ask ourselves this question every morning, like, where am I going to be the most useful today? And the answer to that have changed many times throughout the last like nine and a half months. So at the very beginning, all of us, we were preparing to fight. We were training with weapons and we uh, were getting ready that Russians will be attacking very soon and we'll have to protect our, our homes our loved ones, our bodies. So then uh, we were preparing for a siege. So you you have to be like an organizer of, uh, um, of yourself and your community uh, to uh, purely survive. Uh, then at some point uh, when Russians were pushed back from Kiev, uh, then we started to be um, people who are dealing with a humanitarian uh, support and at some point um, when Bucha was liberated and Irpin were liberated, uh, I became a person who is helping out um, victims of sexual um, of sexual crimes. Uh, and uh, then um, then I started working on diplomatic front and uh, uh, working as purely as member of parliament. You see also, uh, we as a parliament, we are working since the day one uh, of, of the war. It's actually one of the most emotional moments of my life. I would like to tell you about that. So mm-hmm. um, we like nobody thought that Putin will be throwing bombs on Kiev. Not even the parliamentarians. I don't think presidents thought that. So uh, when the bombarding of Kiev started 5 a.m. Uh, on February 24th, we uh, started calling each other as party leaders, uh, figuring out if we are able to get the parliament in. 
So mm -hmm. the main thing that the parliament has to do uh, when the war starts is to gather in the chambers uh, in Verkhovna Rada, in, in the parliament building, and vote for the martial law to start. This is our main duty, main responsibility, uh, to kick off all the processes that need to happen um, and give the powers to the military. And the, it was mass. Bombs were falling everywhere. There were explosions throughout Kiev. Uh, people were trying to evacuate their families. Nobody knew what's going on. There was a huge traffic uh, everywhere. And we were calling saying, guys, we need to get, get together in the parliament. Our security said, uh, you will have probably 10 minutes. And till the last moment, we did not know how many people will get, uh, uh, get to the parliament chambers. Um, Ukrainian parliament is located actually in the middle of the park. So if uh, you are a Russian pilot, it's like no brainer for you just to go over and drop some bombs mm. there. Uh, and I remember how worried we were that we will get how many people will go there. So we uh, we got to the chambers. Um, there were lots of military and the, uh, there was no actually lights on because it was uh, done in, very, in a secrecy. And so... Uh, the windows were covered with the bags of sand. And so when we got uh, to the chambers, we have seen, uh, we looked around, we have seen that of 420 members of parliament, 400 came. Wow. And for the 10 minutes, when we were desperately clicking our buttons, asking the whole world to help us, starting mm -hmm. martial law, giving all the necessary support to our army and saying, like, use all the money that we have, please, please just... Uh, move forward and um, showing Ukrainian people that we did not run, we are here, we, we will be executing on our duty. For, uh, for all those 10 minutes being in there, we were singing national anthem and holding mm. hands. And yeah. because, uh, because we did not know what's going to happen next, but we knew that we will have to, to work and, and uh, do what we have to do. And uh, uh, right now, we still are able to uh, still have the unity that we vowed to keep on this first day. Yeah, and I think that's key. I, that was my next question was about um, how important um, government unity was with be, between the parties. And I, I think you just answered that. And it, it was a great answer because I think it probably, and this is just a guess because I'm not there, but it probably helped the morale of the civilians who were volunteering to fight too, watching their leaders actually get along, which is rare in any parliamentary system these days. I can tell you, um, it was actually another vow uh, that we gave each other. We said, no matter how painful it would be, we would uh, we would stand together and work as Team Ukraine. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is what we are doing. We are having all the political debates behind the closed doors. And yeah, it's painful, <laughs> but yeah. uh, it's also very important because for all our allies, uh, for all the people that I'm talking about throughout, uh, all over the world, they all are impressed with the unity that we are showing. And it's also uh, important for, um, for the unity of Ukrainian people that we all stand together and all the things that we'll have to discuss, all the differences that we have. Uh, it will be a luxury to have that after, after we finish the war, after we win the war. I, I flashed this picture up when you were talking about learning how to use weapons. And um, you're, you're standing there. I don't know what kind of gun that is because I'm not a gun person. Do you, it's do you Kalashnikov. Remember? Okay, it's a Kalashnikov. Um, what I like about this picture is uh, there was someone on Twitter that joked that this picture alone could seal the victory for your future plans at being a Republican leader in the United States. <laughs> 
And I disagree because what this shows me is a person who's holding a weapon because she wants to defend her country. And if that's what she's got to do, then that's what she's got to do. Whereas in America, it would be like over her shoulder. She'd probably be wearing a bikini or something. It would just be ridiculous, right? I like this picture. And I'm not trying to sow division between you, you and Zelensky or anything, but I didn't like these ones. And I was wondering if you had, um, if you think that sometimes in the fog of war, and we just, oh, sorry. I'm here. I, I, see. I got you back. I got you back. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll repeat that question rather quickly. I, I saw that picture of you and it looks like you have to be doing that. And, you, you know, you're showing some courage and maybe you're even a little fearful because this is not normal for you. And so I think it's humble what you showed there. And I know that you and the other parties are united. And I swear to God, I'm not looking for a soundbite. But the difference between that photo of you and these photos. Um, and it reminded me of Justin Trudeau when he gets into trouble, when he goes to the photo up well a little bit too much. I, I can totally understand a fluid situation like a war and hindsight being what it is. But um, do you think he's learned his lesson, let's just say, from doing that type of shoot? Or do you think there was even a lesson that needed to be learned? And she froze him. Um, I was told that this might happen because uh, they are running on generator, I believe, uh, in Kiev. And so the last time this happened, she jumped, uh, she went out and then she jumped back in. I might just kick her out then if she's frozen. Um, fascinating though, um, that... It, National unity, unity between the parties was prioritized first. There we go. I don't know, like, what's the story with the connection? Yeah, sorry about that. That's yeah, okay. So it's probably I, Starlink. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Sorry. It's uh, yes. Uh, actually, stable internet is a luxury that we don't possess right now. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'll and make I'll make I'll make the question yeah. um, more succinct. The picture of you with the gun, humility. I thought. The pictures of Zelensky and I'm sorry, uh, Olena, um, I thought was way too fashionable and glossy. And I just wondering what your thoughts were on that. Look, uh, we uh, we know that we have to use all all access to media uh, to and different audiences uh, to get uh, the support that we need. So okay. for the photo shoot, it was uh, in one of the uh, vanity journals. Right. So. Uh, mm. This is what they thought that will be useful. And this is why I think, uh, of, again, for different countries, for different auditors, there would be different uh, approaches that we will use to keep the message strict and to, uh, to touch as many hearts and souls as possible. Uh, and I know there were many criticism on, on, on that photo shoot. Uh, however, I'm an ass. It, I, I'm kind of an asshole. Don't worry about it. No, no. But if, uh, <laughs> if it got like, uh, if it got us like, I don't know, ten more people who know about Ukraine and support us and send us humanitarian aid, well, I will say it's worth it. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair enough. Um, are you are, are are the civilians of Ukraine aware at how impressed everybody is? Um, uh, from the very beginning when they rallied together the civilian force, um, you know, they volunteered. And against all odds, you guys held the Russians at bay and then pushed them back. Um, it must be amazing there and crazy, you know, kind of emotions and everything. But I, I'm wondering if the civilians of Ukraine know that the, basically the world is behind them and that we see the civilian force as legit heroes, not just lip service. 
Uh, yes, I think people realize that. You know, the common feeling uh, of this war is uh, can be described but by two words. Watch us. Mm. You see, uh, it's like there are so many things that were not supposed to happen that are happening right now. So first of all, nobody thought that we uh, will stand for more than two, three days. And I can tell you, it's pretty scary to be sitting at your home where all the intelligences, where all your friends are telling you, um, you guys probably be done in a couple of days. And you are mm. looking looking at your fa family and saying, like, how, how can we be done? We are here. We are alive. And then, like, when we are not done in two, three days, couple of weeks, then couple of months, then you stand up and say, like, look, watch us. Then nobody believed that we will get heavy weapons and uh, we will be able to use it uh, effectively and efficiently. Then nobody believed that we will get into the European Union candidacy. Then nobody believed that we are capable of counteroffense. And of course, nobody believed that we will take back Kherson. <laughs> so we are right now at the point where still like nobody believed that um, countries will start uh, acknowledging Russia as a state sponsor of terrorism. And it's already happening. Now nobody believes that we are going into NATO. Nobody believes that we will use Russian money for the rebuild of Ukraine. Uh, nobody. Oh, believes that's a Trumpism. Well done. Well, uh, <laughs> well, this is actually one of the projects that I'm... Uh, uh, this one will probably make sense. Well, look, yeah. look, at some point, the support, um, the support from our allies... Mm -hmm. will uh, go lower and lower. And I totally understand that. People cannot feel empathy like every single day. Mm -hmm. So the question would be, and it's still like, like a very good question, which uh, is why people who are supporting us are paying out of pockets for Putin's crimes. Hmm. It's like illogical and unfair when there is like a, about $500 billion of Russian money, central bank money. So look, not even oligarchs, but uh, concretely, Russian central bank that are stored in the countries like United States, United Kingdom, Canada. Uh, and actually, you guys have been amazing because you are the first country that voted in the parliament for using Russian, um, Russian seized assets for the sake of a third countries, which yep. we are the third country. And we would be happy like once the government actually executes on that and the first dollar uh, will pass to Ukraine, I would be like saying, okay, like <laughs> this is another fantastic thing happening. But we are right now fighting in the United States and in Canada and uh, in European Union to, to push the legislation through. We have a ton of Ukrainian people in Canada. We, I think it's 1.2 million. I think the only countries that have more is Ukraine and Russia. <laughs> um, so uh, we, we have a big contingent of... Um, and everyone is just being so um patriotic on your behalf you know it was an it was an easy thing for us to to root for ukraine because you were being invaded one thing and and the second thing is we know putin is is not a good actor and and, and it kind of like set the scene for the international community to be able to easily um go by your side your president has been great um uh, now I feel a little bit cheap for pointing out what I thought was a misstep. So apologies for that, because I know unity is important. Um, I did read something just before we went on air that back in September, um, you were you were maybe considering running for president. Is talking about that too soon also because of the unity question? Yes, I think okay. uh, the luxury of the political debate 
that we uh, will be having after the victory. Right now, um, I don't think that it's even in people's minds uh, that uh, what is going to happen at the next elections. Right now, what's in our minds is actually how to survive winter. I can tell you at my home, there has not been electricity for the last like three weeks. And I'm running on diesel generator uh, almost all the time. We don't have running water. And thank God, since, uh, since the preparation to the siege, I have water and food stored like almost everywhere at home in different places because I was so afraid that we will will have to to be like Mariupol where people were dying of starvation and uh, uh, of thirst. So um, so that is helping right now. But it's we are like in fourth days of winter. It's not even the beginning and it will be like a tough fight because uh, you know in ukraine same as in canada uh, we, we sometimes have the weather like going to minus 20 and uh, yeah. how to how to get through that uh, not in kiev where we can you know help each other find shelters etc but in some rural areas where in the normal times it, it there was like uh, issues with the infrastructure right now 50 percent of our infrastructure is destroyed 50 it's like a half yeah. And it's, uh, it's impossible to fix it right now. So we basically know that it's going to be hard and we have to push and put all our efforts into going through, through that. Uh, and uh, actually, like the, uh, the surviving is the exact word because, uh, because we are out of the basic things of comfort and, um, and we'll have to go through that. So the politics is right now not on the table. Okay. Um, I, I, before you go, because I know you have to go pretty quickly, I wanted to invite somebody else on the show. He's been our citizen journalist at the network in Canada, but in Ukraine. And his name is Alex Derebikov. Alex, how are you, buddy? Hi. Hi, James. Hi, Kira. Good to see Hello. you. Good, Good to see you. you. Um, Alex, t- can you talk uh, quickly and just let um, Kira know what you've been doing since the war began? I, I think it's just nice to have it because um, Alex actually volunteered, I think, for your campaign in 2019, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, we were together at Golas when it started. Uh, oh, wow. Years ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'm based in European, and when the war started, I had a newborn uh, who was only 15 days old. And uh, this is why we actually had to evacuate from European the second day of the war. And because of that, we we got lucky to be alive. Uh, lots of my neighbors who tried to evacuate later were killed uh in, the, in their cars um in the convoys just regular civilians so i started a volunteer group uh, right uh, the, f- the first weeks of the of the war and then um, uh, together with the humanitarian aid that we, have, we were providing to subway stations in kiev and then to uh, lots of uh, civilians in kiev and also not only in kiev another thing that i started doing is collecting uh, testimonies of uh, war crimes in ukraine uh, so far, I have uh, been able to find uh, 70, 70 witnesses of war crimes. Now we are documenting them together with the European colleagues uh, for the future court. So this is a brief. Wow. Alex, thank you so much for, for your work. It's it's super important. And by the way, James, it's like um, one of the things that we are all pushing for mm-hmm. is uh, the tribunal. Because, again, something to my point that nobody believed that would happen. Uh, at the very beginning, nobody believed that Putin will uh, will stand a trial, same as nobody believed the uh, Nuremberg Tribunal. But right now we know that at some point there will be 
uh, a tribunal. There will be a bench and Putin will be mm-hmm. sitting there. And at that point, we will be witnessing. And uh, this is why it's so important to have everything um, written down, to have everything um, uh, documented correctly, because uh, they will say, Russians will say that it didn't happen. And we will be able to say, no, no, it did. And we will be able to prove that. If you ever become president, I would make Alex a cabinet minister immediately. (laughs) So so resourceful. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I wish I wish at some point we can have this discussion, you know, <laughs> when we when when it can be on on the plate. But it's, yeah, no, I, I understand. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Um, Listen, thank you so much. Do you have to go? Do you have a couple minutes or is it? uh... Yeah, I still have a couple of minutes. Let's go. Okay. Um, Because I I wanted to see if Alex had a question for you because I actually really like this. I find it wholesome almost to see a leader, very popular leader. And one of the civilians that I was referring to earlier, which is um, that that got on with it and, and volunteered to better his country under the worst circumstances ever. So, Alex, do you have anything? I'm putting you on the spot a little bit that, that you'd like to ask Kira since you're more qualified to ask her a question than I am. Sure, <laughs> sure. Oh, thank you, Kira, for, for, for being here. But uh, I don't know if you discussed this already, but how do you guys uh, uh, in the parliament, how do you guys uh, get uh, along uh, now? Because <laughs> Ukraine is such a beautiful country that, you know, we always uh, argue about teeny weeny details. But now, you know, it's like it, it feels like it's consolidated uh, uh, together and uh, fighting against this, uh, the common enemy. But uh, do, you, do, you, do you feel like you put aside all your arguments and <laughs> quarrels? Well, uh, we we, disc- we went through that. We discussed it a little bit, and I can tell you that uh, Parliament is working, and we are gathering like at least twice a month. And since the beginning of the war, it has been at least forty uh, four zero um, uh, our gatherings and votes uh, for for different important matters. Uh, we do fight. But it's happening behind the, the scenes, and we're still fighting uh, about some minimal stuff that uh, that is um, um, that that we think is very important. However, most of the legislation pieces that we are voting, and most of the bills, we are voting unanimously uh, because this is something that we really, really need. There is not that much that um, is right now can be like. Uh, absolutely unacceptable for for any of us. I think some of the critical pieces that we still cannot push through, however, it's coming together, it's forbidding of the pro-Russian parties, and there was a forbidding of Russian church. And I think that right now it's coming together. But I can uh, tell you that um, 
if one would at some point look at the bills that we were voting for, it is something that nobody in any university can you can prepare you for. Like, for example, the bill to push local governments to allocate land for the cemeteries. For example, how to deal with the children who lost all the paperwork, their parents, and who like right now are called children of the war. How to deal with the people who who be, who lost um, who lost everything and and be uh, were tortured. How to deal with uh, so many things that nobody is ever ready for, and you cannot fight about those things. You just like say, okay, like it's like when the military is coming to you and saying, okay, we need this one, two, three, four. It's you, you just cannot even tell them, okay, well, we think this or that. We say, okay, guys, like we will we will gather tomorrow and we will do like what you need. And this is what our main goal is right now as a, as a parliament. First, to serve as a certain symbol that we are working and the country is working and the democracy is still here. And second is to work as a service, first of all, to the military and, and then to the civilians. Has there, can I just ask, has there been any projections by anybody who might have an idea roughly on what the mental health services will be? what Ukraine will require by, you know, the end of this? I guess that's a really difficult question to ask. But uh, So we, we are getting ready and we are already gathering um, our different organizations who will be helping uh, on this humanitarian front um, because uh, it's, it's extremely hard to project uh, how much and uh, what kind of help we would need, but we're also using the experience of uh, countries that went through the war. Mm-hmm. I can tell you, like, uh, first of all, on uh, I uh, I was uh, leaving Ukraine for the first time on third month of war, and I, I'm like a grown up woman. I'm pretty stable, and so I was in Warsaw, and I was uh, jogging early in the morning, and uh, there was an ambulance passing by me uh, with the siren on. And I can tell you, I did not even understand what happened with me, but I was on the ground covering my head like this. And uh, this is one of the things that I think we still even don't understand uh, the scale of uh, how it affects all of us. But the most it affects children. Uh, one One of the main reasons why I came to politics was that you know, I come from very poor family uh, from uh, the border with Slovakia, and I always uh, hoped that we will be able to um, grow this, uh, raise this new generation of Ukrainians that will be um, undamaged, that they wouldn't know the poverty of the 90s, that they wouldn't know the revolutions, they wouldn't know the struggle, and they will be spoiled in a very good way. Hmm. And right now we are robbed of this. We are robbed because we have a whole generation of children that have seen dead bodies, that know how to act during air raid sirens, that had to become refugees, that had to uh, that had to have all this stress that that wouldn't go away so easily. So I'm I'm worried about us grown ups, but I'm also worried about that it it will affect us in generations. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's the toll of the Vietnam War is still being uh, and that's even birth defects are still happening so i mean it, it it was a question that i tried to make succinct but that was stupid because it's a very complex <laughs> question um we are but, preparing to, to, yeah. to deal with that but you know like it it would be uh it would be having illusions to say that that it's fixable mm-hmm. 
Um, and what what next then? Because uh, the holidays are coming up, and there's always some adjustment, right? Because of the weather and because of the holidays. A lot of times, countries have like a built-in truce for Christmas. Do you guys have anything like that? Oh, I'm absolutely hundred percent sure that we will have the hard attacks uh, like soon. So first, because we have a day of Ukrainian army coming up, uh, mm-hmm. and then. Um, you see, the war with, with Russia it did not start uh, on February 24th. It started eight years ago when they took over Crimea and started the war on the east of our country. And they did not stop for holidays. And even if, yeah. you, if you make a pact with them, uh, they break it. Because, because the question that we're asking here is, when they break it, then what? And yeah. like, there is nobody except us in the world who can actually stand up to them and uh, and push them back. And I think right now, these months, because our army is um, is so motivated and is uh, better equipped, uh, uh, we will be pushing them back. And I think we'll be using this opportunity to push them back before they gathered more and more forces. Uh, and we we really want um, to to take back as much territories as possible and free as many people as possible. You see, people think that. Uh, and I have seen it in many countries when I'm talking to politicians and, 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 and just and refugees and many people, they think that it's just moving border here and there when we are taking back our territories and Russia takes it. But it's not true. Um, you know why it's very frightening to liberate territories for us? Because we, uh, we know we are finding three things everywhere. First is the torture room. Second is a mass grave. And third, it is um, many, many women who are raped. It's everywhere. It's not in Bucha, Irpin, Izum, some particular places. It's everywhere. So right now, when we are talking on some occupied territories, there are people who are being tortured. This particular moment, we know that for sure. And this is why we, are, we need to use every single moment, every single um, day to, to, to push and uh, to take back the territories and, and liberate people. Well, um, I think your country's in great hands. Uh, I, I think that um, I love the story of, uni- of unity that's happening in your parliament. Um, I would like to um, preempt um, the end of this war and give you my condolences when you guys start fighting like cats and dogs when the war is over. So uh, sorry about that, but that's going to happen probably. <laughs> right? No, it's, it's, I would love to have that. I would I'm love sorry, to I'm have sorry. that because, yeah. it would mean, because it would mean that, that we are over... Uh, that we are over with the war. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's why we have Alex on the network to, to kind of put us in check and make us realize how lucky we are to be in Canada. You know, like we, we don't, um, we don't forget, you know, what, what um, we, we get it through Alex. So Alex's personal story is just, you know, symbolic of, of what the entire country is going through. Um, and, um, and I think, um, I, I think, like I said, the country's in good hands. I know you have to split, but Kier Ruddick, thank you very much for joining us on Black Ball today. I really appreciate the time, and please stay safe. Thank you, and glory to Ukraine. Thank you. Alex, dude, you know what? You are, you are the guy that I bring in when a high-profile Ukrainian comes on the show, and I'm like, I need an expert. I'm going to give Alex a call. <laughs> You know? Good. Very good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. What drew you to her campaign when you volunteered for her in 2019? 
Oh, well, uh, that was the time when the party actually started existing. Hmm. Uh, it was founded uh, exactly three years ago uh, by uh, one of the most famous Ukrainian singers of Kova Karchuk. I don't know if you've heard it. Okay, huh? or probably number one rock band in Ukraine. And uh, Kira oh, wow. was one of the uh, of the top uh, uh, top um, uh, members of the parliament at that point. But do you remember what it was about her party that that drew you to it to volunteer? Oh, actually, that was like a totally new concept. Uh, Ukrainian politics uh, has historically been uh, um, a business. The parliament has had historically been a business was not a parliament in the full sense. It was a business where in order to join the parliament, you had to pay, make an investment. And then oh. once you're in the parliament, you, you got to get back the money that you invested. And it's and like operate. Amway. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was uh, how it built. It was built back in 90s and the zeros. Oh. And oh, then um, after Zelensky um, uh, became the president, he created his party. And then Vakarchuk, this guy, also created this party. That was a completely, totally new comp concept. Uh, that was a European, so to say, uh, way of creating a party where he selected people he knew, uh, people who were recommended to him with a high uh, reputation and uh, strong ethics, those who would not, uh, 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 who would stand for the country, uh, patriotic people uh, with uh, like. Um, uh, specific sense towards Ukraine. So uh, uh, the, the party Golos, where Kira is uh, the leader now, uh, brought, I think, 15 people into the parliament. I, I find her very compelling. Like, I mean, I find her um, super intelligent and uh, captivating. And one thing that a lot of politicians don't have is that she has an emotional intelligence. She knows when to show a bit of it and when not to. Um, I mean, who knows, like what what the future holds? But um, you couldn't ask for much more in a leader, I don't think, right now, could you? Yeah, yeah. Well, we need more and more uh, uh, people who are not uh, associated with uh, previous politi politicians. Mm -hmm. Like Kira used to be a GM of a big IT company that was sold to Google, so it mm -hmm. was a huge. Ukrainian IT company uh, before she she went into politics and lots of other guys and and and, uh, and girls uh, also joined from uh, with with no experience in politics before and some fucking unknown podcast host from Canada just got you a cabinet post. <laughs> Who was that? I said it. And then some crazy podcast host, podcast host from Canada, got you a cabinet post. Don't forget, me, uh, I'm a big man on Parliament. Hey. Um, can, okay. Before we go, okay. can you give me an update on your family and 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 how things are going? How you how the baby is, and just um, just sort of an update so we can all breathe a sigh of relief, please. Oh man, that's 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 hard. The, the last month, I believe, uh, has been quite a difficult month. Uh, just to remind everyone, we started experience uh, those rocket attacks from uh, October 10th uh, after uh, Ukraine. Well, after the Crimean bridge was uh, blown, the Crimean uh, bridge was blown on October 8th. So on October 10th, Russians started uh, attacks on Ukrainian energy infrastructure. Well, within the past month, it was like horrible. Every week they would um, 
attack. The last biggest one happened on November 23rd. 100 rockets, uh, cruise missiles um, were flying our way. About 70-80% of them were downed by our air defense, but uh, the rest actually hit uh, important um, points of the energy infrastructure. And just like Kira mentioned, half of uh, it was uh, severely damaged. And uh, my family experienced uh, difficult times because we don't have electricity uh, most of the day. Uh, we live on the 13th floor uh, in Rapin. Uh, the water cannot get through if there is no electricity because the pumps do not work. So we don't have mm. water. You can imagine with a ninth month old uh, kid, to have no water it's uh, yeah. that's even worse uh you, you don't have uh internet uh, you don't have uh, uh, mobile connection is really poor so it's like really horrible uh but um uh now i got a uh, a generator so i can at least you know supply some electricity at times uh internet uh, we, we get the cable internet that is uh, supported by generators as well so we will have internet there's nothing we can do about water we still cannot yeah. have water so i persuaded my wife to leave the country with my kid and they are leaving next friday which is uh you know i feel really bad because why do i have to send my family away from from my country why why in the world in this 21st century i have to uh, stay stay alone in this apartment with my cats and my wife and my kids will have to to leave that's that's so horrible and um, so i feel i feel yeah. i feel i feel a bit sorry and bad uh, about this fact I mean, it's the right call, though, too, right? Like, I mean, you, you need to protect your family. So if that means leaving the country, that's annoying and shitty, but it's better than putting them in harm's way. So at least you have that yeah. to hang on to, I guess. Yeah, well, and simply because uh, we, I expect the worst. We are optimistic, like Kira, like everyone in Ukraine uh, uh, believes uh, we will uh, win. We are very optimistic about this, but we uh, are reasonably realistic about uh, the fact that the russians will continue attacking they uh, have about 100 sorry 400 uh, cruise missiles and rockets ready to launch probably within the next three days i uh, just kira uh, as kira said uh, on tuesday we'll have a day of the ukrainian army tomorrow uh, the, this is the day when the sanctions start acting so this should happen on monday tuesday wednesday when they will uh, attack again uh, and put us in a total blackout so no no electricity no no water no sewage you, mm. you, can you imagine like millions of people without the sewage how do you, you woodstock know, how 99 do you toilet? How, how, how how do you, you know i'm not talking about shower even how do you go bathroom how you know that's like that's going to be horrible yeah. that's why the mayor of kiev actually said that uh, in case this happens, uh, three million of Kievans will have to evacuate to suburbs, to the villages. Um, uh, because, oh, another thing is that the heating, the central heating in Kiev, most of the uh, mm -hmm. apartment buildings are, uh, are provided with the central heating. If the central heating stops, the water in the, uh, in the radiators will get frozen. So 
in order to, to prevent uh, for, for this, they will just uh, remove the water from the radiators. Hence, there's no, not going to be any heating within the winter months. So that's that's going to be horrible. Yeah, I, I mean, your 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 fellow countrymen and women have um, displayed such collective courage since this started. And I know it's frustrating, and I'm, I'm certainly not trying to downplay what you're going through now, but if there was ever a first line that you wanted on the ice, <laughs> it would be Ukrainian people, because you guys are unbelievably patriotic and um, tough. You guys are tough. I know you don't want to be tough anymore. You want the war to be over, and I'm with you. Um, hang in there, uh, you know, because I think that we're witnessing a sort of galvanization of an entire people. Um, to to sort of unify, you know, someone needs to invade the United States to see if that can happen there too, where <laughs> something can unify the entire country. You know, because it's it's just really important. I I, I think, um, and I don't know how I, it often has an expiry date. You know, like eventually the war will get will be over. Five years will go by. They'll be like you know, flinging elastics to each other at the Ukrainian Parliament or whatever it is that they did to show their you know discontent. But normal is, even when it's flawed, is a, a, a sight for sore eyes, I guess you would say. And, um, but I think that people like yourself are the backbone of whatever this is. And I think it looks like a victory, but it is such a, a collection of numerous swaths of people and, um, and just kind of working together. Like, you know, and I, I find it very aspirational, you know. It must sound weird because things don't look good right now and they're really tough and stressful. And somehow that's aspirational to me, but, but it is, you know, like it, it has a, uh, you know, I'm not out yet and no one's going to make me out until I say I'm out. And, and I just love it. You guys are all Rocky or something. It's amazing. Thank you, James. Thank you. Um, yeah. Uh, um, what, what you said is, is, is the truth that, uh, even uh, some of, of the Ukrainians don't know. We are so brave. We are so courageous. And it's I, I hear so many uh, stories from witnesses from all parts of Ukraine where, just to give you an example, a lady in uh, Kherson Oblast, the, the, the part that is still occupied, uh, she was detained just for the fact that uh, she took a photo of the collaborate, uh, collaborants during the referendum. She took a photo, it got to the social media, and then the, the same day she got arrested just for the photo. Hmm. She stayed uh, in the police, depart police department in a cell for a week. And once she was asked about something, she was like, she was said, you will be sent away from the occupied territory. She, was, she, she, she told them, it is not an occupied, I'm already in Ukraine. They, they told her, you will be sent to, to Ukraine. And she said, I'm already in Ukraine. Hmm. She was detained, sitting in a cell in a police department, you know, with the, the guys with the weapons around her. And she was like, I'm in Ukraine. Hmm. And she could have been killed for that, you know. Well, how so bold many is stories that? of the yeah. kind. I mean, it's like we are brave without, without even understanding this we, because it's just our essence. We, this is our land. Why do we have to be afraid of something? Yeah. We're not afraid. And, and a lot of people might be more afraid of losing all out, right? And that's 
a lot more scary, maybe, you know, the theory, the concept of that. Yeah, uh, I, I, we are talking now and I'm, I'm so happy that we have electricity. It was supposed to mm -hmm. be off and then you would see me with the candles or whatever. Uh, or hopefully there is still internet. Oh, I but, thought it was, that was your OnlyFans. I thought you were doing an OnlyFans with the candles. Yeah, so... <laughs> Um, third time in this podcast, I said a joke at the worst possible time, but I don't know. Um, it's just how I roll here. I'm not okay. certainly not trying to downplay anything that um, that that you're going through over there. I, I use levity, uh, you know, as a as a way to weed my way through. But um, mostly, I am one of those people that I talked about at the beginning, um, who has no earthly understanding of what it would be like to be occupied or to be invaded. I can conceptualize. And uh, I, I'm telling you, I live in rural Ontario. Um, it's not our best and brightest out here with these uh, rifles that they normally shoot deer while probably very drunk. So um, you know, I think, you know, I, I mean, maybe we do okay. But no, but it, without having that personal understanding, but being able to have someone like you explain it to us, like is so much more beneficial to the audience and to myself than any leader talking about what's happening in their country uh and it's and, it, and it's great so I, i'm i'm super th i'm gonna have you on again when we don't have the excuse of a ukrainian high profile person up and we'll just have you up <laughs> and um and we'll talk a little bit more i do i love it when you're on dean blundell show i like how uh first of all i like how they can use levity in appropriate places unlike myself um, i'll work on that i promise um but i do enjoy listening to you there and i and i enjoy the support watching the support that you've gotten from uh from viewers of the show and um you've kind of become a part of the network's family and so that is great i'm sorry it happened under such crappy circumstances but i hope to continue to see you on the network um long after this war is over Thank you, my friend. Well, uh, that's uh, that's my honor and uh, pleasure. So even you know, if it wasn't for this war, you know, I would live my normal life and I would complete would be completely quiet. And then, well, I think this is a big uh, challenge for all of us uh, to just uh, uh, to reconsider who we are, uh, uh, what, what we as a nation. Uh, uh, um are going toward uh, to, to by the way uh i didn't trust zelensky before the war started i didn't trust i mean i i i couldn't understand how a comedian can could become a president it, it was for me it was like a, a nonsense yeah when the war started with with the first days i talked to, to my wife and i was like we got to pray that this guy stays in ukraine he doesn't leave. He doesn't, uh, you know, uh, betray us, because he's the one who is on the top of the um, uh, of the uh, hierarchy. And mm. if he leaves, that would be a lot worse. Uh, what do you so, mean leave? Like, you know, like we know that he was offered uh, uh, to evacuate. Uh, he was offered a helicopter. Okay. He said, "I don't need a helicopter. Give me weapons." That's what he yeah. said. So, uh, but if something happened to him, like a, um, you know, he, he would be as, as, uh, assassinated or something, uh, that would be a lot worse. We would still continue fighting. That's not just because of him we fight, but it, under him. So he is kind of a national hero now for me. Yeah. Uh, that uh, 
uh, didn't come as a hero when he became a president. He was just a comedian who played a role of comedian. And because he played a role of comedian, people thought that he could be a good president, which he was not. He just became, he was a regular guy who became a president all of a sudden. And mm. then when the war started, he actually became the, uh, the national hero. Now he's worldwide known. So he's the leader of a nation that was formed before the war. But, and now it's cemented. I uh, can't remember the word that you used. It is cemented under him as a, as a, as a mm. national uh, leader. So this is, this is, I mean, I, like several years ago, I was like, well, when, when, when we will have a good leader who will be leading us as a nation? And here he comes. Yeah, no, I know. Um, I have a good feeling about her. Um, so we're going to have her back. Uh, we'll have you back on that same day too. But um, Alex, it was really nice uh, having you on. This was uh, sort of last minute. I, I, I think I, I reached out to you like three or four days ago when I booked uh, Kira. I was like, oh my God, Alex has to come on too so I can understand things and not make jokes at inappropriate moments. So I'm one, I'm one for two. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> thank you, James. Um, but, but thank you for joining me and we'll see you soon, buddy. Thank you, man. Stay safe. Thank you. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye. Love that, man. Um, and his son is gorgeous. Um, yeah. I don't really have any more words to say. I think we covered it all because the naivete of just not being able to understand what it's like to live in a country that's been invaded is enough. Um, that is the succinct point that I think um, having Alex on and having uh, Kira on is is a public service in a way, in and of itself. Tomorrow, Megan Murphy, former editor of The Feminist Current, dead named a um, person who claimed that they were trans, the wax my balls person who was also a predator against many women and uh, was banned from Twitter for life. She was reinstated recently under Elon Musk's um, forgive a hateful person quota or something. No, actually she's not hateful at all. Megan Murphy is not Donald Trump. Megan Murphy is just the person who got caught up in the orthodoxy wars when she was more of a moderate, but she will be on tomorrow. And I think it's at 10 o'clock, but I'll update that time. And I have a couple of announcements to make after that. Nothing crazy, but just trying to finagle my schedule and we'll have an update for you tomorrow. And we will see you next time on Black Bolt. Thank you. I'm your eager beaver. And I'm Mr. Grizzly. If you love politics or hate politics, then have we, we the perfect, perfect podcast for you. The True North Eager Beaver. Incisive political commentary. We keep you up to date and give you the political and media literacy you seek. To help you cut through the bovine fecal matter. Facts first. Sound analysis. Sometimes I growl. Sometimes I sass. We impart civics and build community. And we share some laughs along the way. Being informed and engaged has never been more fabulous. Or sexy. Catch us on, on the Dean Blundell Network. Or on our YouTube channel. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Because, because democracy, democracy is, is something, something you do. do. 
Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon.